Welcome to the Podcast Connector. Each week, we'll bring you behind-the-scenes tips on all things entrepreneurship, spreading your message, and the podcasting space. Plus, we will connect you with some amazing people in health, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and personal development. Let's dive in. Welcome back, everyone. It's great to see you. I'm excited to introduce you to a very dear colleague and cherished connection of mine, Andrea Jensen. She is the founder of the Cashflow CEO or CFO, I should say, Cashflow CFO. I apologize, Andrea. <laughs> I'm so used to saying CEO, CFO. Uh, and she, well, I mean, you'll be able to see why Andrea and her company have been chosen to be our exclusive preferred vendors of where we're going to send all of you to have your cash flow. Uh, needs met and Andrea's going to explain more but really you know we're going to go over what is a CFO when do you actually need one in your company I get it that most of us here are going to be thought leaders and authors and teachers and trainers and coaches and so on and we tend to go I don't want to talk about money someone else deal with that It may not feel like the sexiest thing to talk about, but the reality is the financial health of the company and the longevity of our companies is dependent upon cash flow and um, having someone like Andrea on your side. Like Andrea, I know you're going to share a bit about your background, but you, I mean, this, this is not your first rodeo. You literally grew up uh, with uh, entrepreneurs. You really have a good sense of what it takes to create really amazing cash flow, profitability, how to scale a company, how to evaluate it, how to take it public, how to sell it, how to merge, uh, all the things, right? And uh, you keep growing your own company, which is also, I think, appealing to me as someone that geeks out on serial entrepreneurship and like growing a lot of things. I love to grow things. But that's part of why, aside from just how amazing you are and how kind you are and how freaking intelligent you are, is that you're always growing too and you're always sharpening your saw and you're growing your company and you're looking at how can you keep improving and expanding your company to be a pie service to your clients it's never for the sake of growth although there's nothing wrong with that it really is like how do we keep growing the company and hiring the best of the best so that we can do right by our clients because you and i are similar in that way we really want to have that red carpet white glove sort of treatment and really treat people like the vips that they are so um so I'll shut up. I apologize uh, and let you talk. So welcome, first of all, to the show. We're really excited to see you or see you and hear you and learn from you. You are a preferred vendor. Let's start with what what is a CFO and why is that even a necessary role in your company? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me here today. I'm super excited <laughs> to talk to you about this because, like you said. It's not something that's always the highest on a business owner or a thought leader's priority list is to, oh, let's talk about, let's have more conversations around money. Um, And, but it is necessary, right? It's one of those things that you can't have one without the other um, because the opportunities just wouldn't be there if you, you didn't have the the resources to, to obtain them. So um, a CFO is something that, you know, every business at some point could use one, but whether you're ready or not, uh, you know, size-wise, scale-wise, things like that might be, you know, another uh, topic of conversation. But essentially what a CFO's role is in a business is I like to give uh, a real uh, simple analogy so that everyone can kind of latch on to understanding what the CFO does. 
Um, imagine that you're the business owner and you're driving down the road in your car. Sitting in your back seat is your uh, your accountant or your bookkeeper and your tax preparer. And they're looking out the rear view window of the car and they're reporting on where you went, how much you spent. They have a historical viewpoint of your business and the activities that go on in it. Your CFO is sitting in the front seat next to you, the business owner, and they're looking out the front windshield and they're telling you, here's what's coming up, here's how to plan, and here's how to be profitable. So you need everybody in the car, but they all have a very different skill set and a very different point of view on the advice that they're going to give you, um, the business owner. Mm -hmm. That's a fantastic analogy. So at what stage in my company's growth will I know that it's time? What are the pain points I'm going to be feeling when, ooh, I, and I'm not going to know. I'm, not gonna, I'm likely not going to know, especially if I'm a visionary. I'm not going to know that I need a CFO. What are some of the pain points I'm going to be experiencing? How will I know that, oh, it's probably time to call Andrea? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Some of the, the symptoms, right, that you'll be experiencing are, Uh, You know, you're really at a crossroads of how to best spend the money that you're earning in the business through your your revenue generating activities. So you might be feeling like, gosh, I'm leaking money, but I just can't quite put my finger on it. Or you might be feeling like I need more team to support the delivery of of what it is that I'm doing or in selling, but I don't know who or how much I can afford and when I should hire them. Um, you might be, you might get a surprise bill from, you know, who, you know, because you made more money than you thought. And now you owe more in taxes or, or, you know, you hire an employee out of state and now you have all these new, you know, uh, different filings and things you need to keep up with. So it's just as you expand the complexity of managing the, the processes that keep your financial house in order, they they start to get where you feel like you can't keep your arms wrapped around everything like you used to when you were smaller. And that's really when you need somebody to come in and say, yep, been here, done this. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to set up this system, put this in place, sign up for this account. We need this team member. Let me help you uh, strategically plan that out so that you know where your money is going and um, you have that confidence to generate more revenue because you, you know what the purpose is of that. It's going to go to this next team member or it's going to go to expanding this service offering or a new marketing channel or whatever it may be to help you grow on your, your path of expanding the business. That's really where a CFO will step in and help you strategize that from a financial perspective. Mm, I love that. I, uh, I think most of us, especially because we tend to not want to talk about money. I'm not saying all people like I love talking about money, but I also really, you know, focus on the energy of money and it's built in my astrology chart and all the things. Right. So I'm probably a rare, rare bird in that capacity, but most of us in the personal development space or any kind of thought leadership space. And I know you work with all businesses, but most of us in that regard are, we have our blinders on. We kind of put our fingers on our ears and go, la, 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 la. I don't want to talk about it. Just do my taxes. Here, here's my paperwork. Ugh, I don't want to deal with this, right? And deal with, dealing with my taxes and dealing with that rear view mirror stuff. Uh, but then year after year, we're maybe, you know, constantly hearing from the accountant, hey, your, your staffing expenses were high, or we've got to bring your supplies down, or 
looks like you did a lot of client appreciation this year and maybe we need to keep the government off your back by doing these things or whatever it is. A lot of the filter is how do I keep the government off my back? How can I keep as much of my money away from the government? That tends to be the filter, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, But uh, can you give an example of someone that didn't have you in the company and then you brought them in and they went, oh, I wish I had have done this sooner. What, what, what was kind of the state of their company? And then you came in and you either saved them a certain amount or helped them make a certain amount or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of our favorite questions when we first uh, start working with a client is, what keeps you up at night? Like, we want to know. Tell me, give me all the, the stuff that's, you know, unload it to us and let us figure out solutions for you so you don't have to carry that anymore. And I think, you know, specifically so many clients come to us and they're just like, I, I, conf- I just don't have clarity. I don't understand. I know I'm, I'm on the hamster wheel of sales. I'm, I'm doing all the front end stuff, but then at the end of the day, there's just not a lot left over and I'm, I don't understand where it's all going. And so having, um, you know, your, your P&L will tell you a lot of those things, But there's also a lot of uh, supporting worksheets that will uncover a lot of those money leaks that your P&L just kind of, it's not set up to do that. It's it's set up to give you high level, what you made, what you spent, and what's left over. But but it doesn't tell the story of what's going on operationally and how the finances play into that. And so, um, you know, just by having that clarity of what that... um, Taking the PL and dissecting it in a way that gives you that that overview and you're able to look into it and go, oh, okay, I see that this is high and here's why. Now I can fix the operational piece that's causing that financial number to be higher versus just looking at it and going, I'm not sure what to do with this information that I have here on my, my reports. So I think, um, you know, when we work with clients, the first thing we do is we, where are they at right now? And we look at a lot of different financial KPIs, key performance indicators, because we want to understand how is this business model profitable? And we want to make sure that it's as profitable as possible. And so we break down, we look at what's in your lead uh, in your pipeline for sales. How many leads do you have? How much is that costing you to get those leads? What's your sales conversion rate? What's your average transaction size dollar amount? And then how are you allocating that? So once you make the sale, you collect the revenue, how are you allocating that spending into a budget that makes sure that you're protecting your profit? Because that's really the bit, I mean, yes, as business owners, we love to serve our clients. We love what we do. But at the end of the day, we need to be taking care of ourselves. And your business is an asset to create personal wealth. And a lot of times that's a second thought for business owners. And it should be the very first thing that they look at is how much money do I need to be generating through this asset to set up my life in a way that I'm creating personal wealth that could be, you know, changing the the legacy of, you know, my future generations. And so we have so much control as business owners, but we don't exercise it as much as we should because we just don't look at it as an asset a lot of times. Let's let's really highlight that though. Like that kind of flicked me between the eyes because I forget that stuff too. And, and maybe it's just because I'm so used to business and taking a portion and redirecting it. You know, there's a portion of business funds that I I 
put into the stock market that the business invests in stock. And there's, you know, a little more sophisticated stuff I do with that. And then there's stuff I allocate for, that directs to my personal stocks and other asset building things, right? So, um, but the, the business as an asset that helps you build personal wealth is an actual paradigm shifting thought. It's not an albatross around your neck. It's not a let's create jobs and go and help people and never pay ourselves. It's not meant to be a slave driver. It's not meant to have us be, you know, spinning. I remember there was a time and I, and I knew better and I be looking at the income and I'm like, holy cow, I'm paying each team member more than I'm actually taking home right now based on the amount that I'm reinvesting back into the business and the amount of sales. And I was kind of semi-retired too at the time. So I didn't, you know, I, I was not so worried about the money, but still it's actually, I found it hard to grow a business when I felt like I wasn't being compensated to the degree that it felt worthwhile, where I was now into servitude energy instead of service energy, where, you know, we're willing to go into debt, either time debt or financial debt to keep helping people, right? And I think that's one of the big things, and you probably see this too, I'm guessing, with service-based business, right? Um, but uh, when you talk about that, I mean, that that really is a game changer because then you're just making completely different decisions about how the business can support you. We're so focused on how can my business support other people? We tend to forget how can it really support us short-term and long-term. I I think some of the the really small but really profound shifts I made, to your point, is uh, that I I had a personal account that was my, because I was the sole proprietor for a while, and you can't grow. I'm sorry, you just can't. You can grow, but... when you feel like your personal money is supporting your business, even though it really isn't, it, it gets kind of messy, right? So I didn't have a separate account when I really created a proper business account and really went back to being a corporation and let the big things and kept talking about the business instead of my company, the business, the company, and really made it detached and non-personal from me. I could make better decisions for the company just as far as service delivery goes because it, nothing was personal to objectively look at it and go, is this company providing the best standard of care it can for its clients? Mm-hmm. And then additionally, I could make very different scaling decisions and, and all kinds of things. Now, I know you're going to talk more about that, but I share that because, you know, here I was a healy feely, and I know you, you, you get a lot of people like me, right, that are coming from like a healing energy work sort of background or being a channel or intuitive or whatever. And, uh, and so we tend to not view ourselves as a CEO and especially a savvy CEO, we're more still the technician in the company, right? And, and making that identity shift as well to being the CEO of a company. What are, what are some quick shifts we could make right now that will make a huge difference in how we view money that comes through the company? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would start the very first place is to determine what's your number as as the individual, as the business owner, what's the number that you want to be, you know, uh, your one, three and five year goal for your, your company. And then look at, you know, back that out of, okay, well, if this is my distribution amount, 5%, 10%, whatever that is, you can back into what your revenue should be, your top line revenue goals. And so from there, then you can go, okay, 
am I there at that revenue level or what, what do I need to do to get there? And a lot of the um, analysis and that, that forward-looking profitability decision-making analysis comes down to run different scenarios. So when you're, when you're trying to make a financial decision, look at how will this layer into my P&L. So if, if I had the same or similar as a previous year plus 10% growth or 20% growth, where would that put me at? And then how does that decision that I'm, I'm trying to determine, you know, do I buy this piece of equipment? Do I hire this other team member? Do I invest in this, uh, you know, new Facebook ad or whatever it may be that you're, you're trying to determine, is this the best move for you? Layer that projection in and see what does the bottom line tell you? And does that match up with what you've said? These are my goals. And so that will help you to, um, to comfortably and with confidence and clarity, make those decisions, you know, on how to spend, spend your money and how to be a good steward of the growth of the business uh, because it's in alignment with what you've already declared. These are my goals. Mm-hmm. So what does keep people up at night? I want to go back to that because I, I was thinking when you mentioned that earlier, I thought, what what does keep me up at night? I don't really know. I think my team now is so solid that I can finally be the artist, right? I, I kind of, channeling is my gift, Mm-hmm. building business is my art. I love, I could build business all day. Give me your business. I'll, I'll do it for free. I love looking at people's businesses and how do we make this juicy and how do we keep money in your pocket? How do we help you attract more clients, all the things. And um, anyways, for me, a lot of it was having the right team members in the right role. So I could finally go back to being an artist, right? I'll just create, I just love to create, let me create all the things I want to create the big projects. I really honestly don't want to focus so much on the money. I know it's important, but um, I think what would have kept me up at night would have been, you know, I have all these projects. Uh, how do we make sure that there's enough money available? Like how, how can I execute on these projects without really having to worry about money? No, always knowing that there's more than enough to reinvest back into the company and I get to do all these things that light me up and help people and put smiles on their faces and so on. But I, I'm, I know it's different for other people. So what are the most common things that are keeping people up at night? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I mean, I could list specifics, but I think they all have one common thread. And uh, one of my business mentors said this so eloquently, what systems are wrapped around you to guarantee success? And when you look at financial systems, uh, it's just like any other system in your business, right? And and it needs to be structured in a way that gives you peace of mind that you know everything is where it's supposed to be, right? So one of the things that you said that was actually really um, beautifully put, you said, I have a solid team now that I can be free to go and do the creating and, and spend time in that where you want to be your zone of genius, and it's the same thing. You've got to have that team around you with the right systems. And so looking at um, if you want to create new products or, or new programs or new um, offerings, you should be, how much is this going to cost to roll this out? And then that part comes out of your profit bucket. So it doesn't affect. So let me back up. The way that we uh, teach our clients to view uh, creating a budget 
and allocating the your dollars in revenue to each of those line items on the budget is to say for every dollar in revenue that you generate uh, in a sale, it equals 100%. And you've got four big buckets in your business that that 100%, you get to determine what allocation of that 100% is going to go to cost of goods sold or cost of revenue if you're a service-based business. But for simplicity, we'll say cost of goods sold, general and administrative, marketing, and profit. And the reason we put profit in one of those big categories is because it has to do a lot of things, right? So your profit bucket gets further split down into paying income taxes, paying distributions to the owner, reinvesting back into the business, and then servicing any existing debt that the business has. So all of those items aren't going to be on your P&L. You're going to allocate that profit accordingly. And so when we're talking about being free to create, it's by saying, I know that out of the 20% profit line that I have, 7% of that is allocated towards reinvesting into the business. So if I choose to reinvest in creating a new offering, well, then I know I have that budget set aside and earmarked for it. Mm -hmm. Like how, how uh, peaceful does that make you as a creator, right? To know that, Hey, I've got that budget. It's already allocated. And I don't have to worry about, is this going to affect my operating cash flows and create a dip in, in, you know, future cash flow, which we get stuck on that roller coaster when we don't have the strategy in place and we're not being disciplined about it. Mm -hmm. I love that you shared that. I was thinking that, yeah, I I think a big part of it, I, I, I know so many entrepreneurs that have seven figure companies but they're not only not paying themselves, their overhead is crazy with mm-hmm. team costs, which they're great, providing great service to the people, but they're paying out of their savings. They're paying their team out of their savings. And this happens a lot. And then, of course, we have the, the secondary issue, which is now I've put myself out there in the world as a seven-figure coach, as example, and I've got a certain posture, a certain identity I have to put out there. I can't let people in that know me because they're going to find out that, in fact, the company, although, yes, there's seven figures that flow through the company, there's actually seven and a half figures that flow out of the company, right? And I thought about that. I thought, oh, yeah, so you would be help- – I think the big things that I would see just with the people I can – I can pull up in my mind right now that would really be able to benefit from your services is really taking a look at team costs and operation costs in general and being like, okay, how much of this actually is a contribution to the company? Whereas there's some maybe overlap or maybe some, you know, stuff that can be taken off the plate, so to speak. But I also wonder, too, uh, do, do you help people figure out what the cost per lead is when they're in client attraction? I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, that as a, as a side, because, you know, I'm going to geek out on the business piece. If you could offer something, some sort of course or something for people to really understand their cost per customer acquisition, mm-hmm. I, I know very few CEOs that know that. And the amount of people, the amount of money that is lost and, and it's, I think it's stealthy because you can attract a customer and you can make, let's say, a $4,000 sale. But if you have nothing else to offer them into, 
and it costs you $500 to acquire that company or that customer, I should say, which yes, seemingly you have a profit margin, but you haven't yet factored in the team cost to support that person, the, you know, all the things. And then if you knew that you were really only, let's say, making $1,000 off that sale, would it still feel like a big deal? And would you still be engaging in the client attraction activities? If I think of the like Facebook ad to webinar, to sales team, to commission, to, you know, that whole process, yeah. I know a lot of coaches that do that. And I know there are some that are great. So I'm not knocking everyone. What I am saying is that outwardly, they're telling you they're making seven figures doing that. But a lot of times they're only able to pay themselves $2,000 a month because the the way to flow that one customer through a, the cost of a Facebook ad and the cost of the web webinar hosting company then to the salesperson and 50% commission and then you know it's to me that's not an appealing business model I have zero desire to do that but I, I know people that make it work point is is that um, if people knew how much their their customer acquisition costs were and their, their lead generation costs were, I think they'd be making very different decisions and really focusing on where does it make sense for the company to spend its time as far as where do we market, what groups are we engaged in, all the things. Are we going to invest sweat equity here? Are we going to invest dollars? What are we going to invest in this client acquisition process? And to know that you can see that, though. And, by the way, like, you don't judge it. You're on CEO. Like you're all like, hey, I'm not judging you at all. There's no criticism here. You're not alone. We want to get you to feel like the effort you're putting into your company feels sustainable, that you get excited instead of feeling like, oh, why is my business feeling heavy? It usually feels heavy because it's not making the money that the, the effort compared to the profit right. is, you know, I know you get what I'm saying. So yeah, no, absolutely. And that's so true. And I think that, um, it's a symptom of the business model, the profitability of the whole big engine, right? If you really knew what the profitability was, you, you would make some different choices. And then also, I think a lot of businesses, especially service-based businesses, you know, uh, your team is your biggest expense. And mm -hmm. looking at how am I compensating my team? What are they spending their time on? How, what percent of their... Uh, working time is client facing versus administrative and really just understanding how much revenue can I generate off of my client facing team members to, to watch that number. Like that's a metric that is so vital to a service-based business. And a lot of businesses just are relying on the P and L and they're not putting in the systems, the processes that how is the team tracking their activities in a way that feels good to them, but also is giving the business owner uh, the data that they need to make sure that everybody's, you know, doing the right activities at the right time to make the business model profitable. And so with the marketing, same thing, you know, when you add up all the, the you know, you just listed off a, a, a short list and there, you know, we all know that list is really long of where our marketing dollars get allocated. But if we say, for every dollar in revenue I generate, 10% is going into my marketing budget, then that really will keep you more um, honest about how you're spending your money and, you know, 
really scrutinizing, well, if I need to up my marketing budget because my lead, my customer acquisition cost is higher, then that has to come out of one of those other three buckets. So which one am I going to reduce to increase the marketing bucket? And so it just becomes that game of it's just a numbers game. There's no emotion. There's no judgment. It really is. And that's where our team we just love, it's a puzzle, right? And we love to figure that out. And, um, you know, having a CFO, our, our services are fractional. So it adds in another layer of, you don't have to hire this full-time, you know, six plus figure salary to get this advice on your business model. You can bring in a fractional CFO and they can give you that targeted info and just keep building upon, uh, you know, and it's just little, 10% uh, adjustment on this one piece of your model and then another 10% or 8% or 7%, but that compounds. And so by the time, you know, we've worked with a client for 12 months, we've forexed their investment with our service. Like how many service providers tell you, oh yeah, we're going to get you, we're going to make that much back plus more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that in, in having that outside uh, person looking at the data that is not attached at all to the decisions that you make as a business owner. And they're just presenting it to you in a format that says, here's all the metrics, you know, here's your customer acquisition costs. Here's your cost per lead. Here's your sales conversion rate. Here's your revenue. Here's, and you just, you know, it's just information, right? And Mm -hmm. you as the business owner now have all the tools in your toolkit to, you know, achieve what, what financial goals you've set out for the business. I love that you're sharing that. We're on the same page. I say this a lot to my clients when they're attract, you know, trying to attract new clients and I'm helping them with their strategy of, you know, where are we going to put your energy and so on. And and usually what holds them back is, oh, I'm afraid of being told where to go or I'm being told, you know, that uh, being rejected. And they, and it they make it very personal. And I get it, right? When we're offering a service, we can think it's personal. It really isn't. People don't care about us. They care about what can you do for me. But I say to them, it's just information. If someone tells you where to go, that's good information to have. Is that really the type of client you would want to be bringing into your company? If they're willing to talk to you like that when you're being kind or you're actually being you know, professional and you're, and you're not spamming, you know, let's assume they're not spamming and all the things and they're, and they, and they've been invited by that person to make a, a pitch to them as an example. Well, it's just information, but the more we, I think that's been part of my journey is and my ability to look money in the eyes differently is that when it's not personal mm-hmm. and when it's just information, then you really can make very informed strategic decisions but as soon as it becomes personal and as soon as emotion and projection and assumptions and expectations get woven into that we tend to not want to look at that because you know so uh, so for the person and and there's many of us like this I used to be this way too right for those of us that are like no I don't want to look at my numbers oh no I just want to do my business. Don't make me look at my numbers, right? And um, and they know they need you, but they're like, I don't want to look at my money in the eyes. What would you say to that person that's in that spot where they actually really need your services right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. It depends on what you want to achieve in your business. 
if this is a lifestyle business and you don't want to build a team, you don't want to scale it, you don't want to, you know, it's, you're not looking at it as this is a, an asset that I'm building. Um, then you can kind of just skate along, right? You don't have to, to do all the things, but if you're serious about growing the business and you really want this to be set up as an asset that, uh, is creating wealth, real wealth, um, then you need the skill set. You need that high level, um, strategic view point of, of what's happening in the business model. And I think, one of the reasons why our company has been so successful is because we're very warm. We're very inviting. There's no shaming, finger pointing, like, why would you spend money on that? Or why would you do that? And that's one of the differentiators that we pride ourselves on is that we're very, very, um, it's a safe place to talk about things that sometimes people don't want to talk about. But all of our CFOs are very passionate about what they do. They love helping to build businesses. It's just ingrained in them. And, they, you know, we, we kind of joke around and say, you know, we have a, our glass of wine test where if somebody, if we're going to invite them to be a client, it's somebody we would want to go and have a glass of wine with and, and be friendly with. Because, you know, when you're talking about money and you're talking about the conversations, uh, there's a lot of energy that goes along with that, right? So we want to make sure that it's a good fit for everybody all the way around. But it should be something that, you know, I hope that every time I text a client or call a client or email a client, they're excited to, you know, hey, how are you? How's the kids? How's the, you know, how's everything going? And oh, by the way, let's talk about X, Y, Z. And, you know, but it's, it's an, it's a, um, uh, something that they look forward to having that conversation. We definitely get the business done, right? But it doesn't have to be scary and it doesn't have to be, you know, you want to bury your head in the sand and not not deal with it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I love that you share that. It's occurring to me that I think, I liken it to when you have company over for the first time, maybe you've just bought a house or maybe they haven't been to your house before. And you, without knowing you're doing it, you're going to be like, am I going to show them the upstairs of my house? Like, am I going to actually show them my bedroom and my bathroom and kind of where I, where it's a little more intimate? I don't mean in a sexual way, obviously. I just mean like there's something about letting people see where you sleep and where you shower that feels kind of, that's, that's a next level invitation, right? And, uh, and so, there's a lot of people that we're willing to have over as long as they stay in the living room or, or they're kind of kept in a certain containment of the house, or maybe we just bring them right down to the basement where there's a rec room or, you know, whatever our house is, right, metaphorically. And then uh, there's people that actually do need to come into our room, the person maybe that helps us clean our house or whatever, like literally, you yeah. know, uh, tangibly. But, uh, and so that, that is, you know, already a kind of an intimate exchange, right? Of people seeing how you live uh, in private and, mm-hmm. and metaphorically it's kind of the same for you, right? Like it, it is, I think the, the reason why people can be hesitant about inviting in a CFO is that, I'm, I have no choice but to let you into my bedroom right? and see how I sleep and see what really goes on behind closed doors, right? And so if, if it's kind of hot mess express in my room, 
right? I'm going to, I'm going to be, it's not because you're shaming me. It's because I'm going to feel a little bit, not that I should, but you know, we were human, right? And, um, and so I'm going to want to know that the person that's holding me through that process and helping me clean up my bedroom and making it more aligned for, you know, feeling proud of where I'm sleeping and, and all the things, right? That I'm inviting someone in that can really, yes, know the numbers, but also, care for me and kind of nurture me through that process. Because again, you and I both know from different angles, what it's like when we start having conversations with people about money. I should also say too, for um, anyone listening right now that uh, Andrea and her team work virtually. So it's, you don't, you, and they'll create systems for you so that everything can be done virtually. So you don't, I, I actually prefer that, honestly. Um, I, I, it's a time thing for me. I'm not really interested in driving across town and like <laughs> pulling out all my paper receipts. Here's the pack of gum I bought and it, you know, how we typically view uh, meeting with that, but you can literally work with people all around the world mm-hmm. and, your, and your team can as well, obviously, uh, because it, 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 well, I mean, isn't this great that we have zoom and we have, you know, all the, all the automations and things that allow us to do that. So in the interim, let's assume someone's hearing this and they're like, yeah, I really, I need this. I'm not entirely ready to step in. Mm-hmm. What would be the next step for them to get a better feel for you or your company or or maybe some inventory that they need to take? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, well, I would invite you to come to our website. It's the cashflowcfo.com. Uh, we have a, a five-minute assessment you can take to see where you're at uh, in the seven stages of of growing a business, right? And see what's next for you. We have all kinds of uh, tools and resources that we can point you in the right direction once we understand where you're at and where you're trying to go. Um, So that would be a a great first place to start. And you can also book a call directly from our website if you'd like to bypass the the line and just go straight to the front. (laughs) We're Mm -hmm. welcome. We welcome those too. Yeah, but, um, for sure. So, um, and I like to divide that up, right? Because we, it, I, some of us just know right away. I, I'm a quick action taker, very decisive. I know many of us are. And I'm just, once I know I need something, I'm on it, right? So I want people to know they have that option. So you can just book a call directly and chat about how Andrea and her team can support you. If you're not quite ready and you're, or maybe you're not even sure if you're ready for this level of support, I love, by the way, that you have that assessment. Like, it, it's going to take all the guesswork out for people. It's, it's going to be clear. You're ready or here's, like, let's just take this one more step and then this is going to make a lot of sense for you. I also love that you really understand various business models and how to forecast within those models and perhaps what the limitations are going to be, but also what the possibilities are. And I know you are more of a possibility person, right? Like, Oh, what else can we create and how else can we help you make more money so that you can do these things? Right. So um, anyways, that being said, as we wrap up for today, what, what piece of wisdom would you leave with everyone around their business being an asset and, and maybe how they can look at that or how they can look at money or how they can look at, at a role like yours and what it's going to help them create or how it's going to give them peace of mind, actually, more importantly. Yeah, I would say that as with anything good in, in business, it, it boils down to systems, processes, and the right people to implement them. So uh, it's not complicated if that's your skill set. And a lot of business owners 
you know, this is a very complimentary service to what they're already doing. And so uh, looking at, you know, how can, how can this help to where I want to get to, to the more clients I want to serve, the, the more team I want to have helping to do that, or, you know, whatever the mission is that, that the business owner is, is working towards. It's really just, uh, you know, people like us are out there. We love working with numbers and we do it in a non-scary way. So happy to uh, make you look at your numbers in a different way. And we have so many clients that go, I never, ever thought I would love my numbers or I would thrive off data that you provide, but they're like addicted to it now and they love it. And it's just, once you learn to manage and run your business off that, it's, there's no going back. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. And I, I do think it's like a graduation. It almost feels like you graduate when you get to that level, like, ah, this is, this is a, a whole other level of decision-making, I think, in the company when we, when we give ourselves permission to evolve through that process of getting to a place where it's just information, it's just numbers, and mm-hmm. oh my goodness, thank goodness for these numbers, I can really, I now can make informed decisions that really support, you know, whatever it is we're wanting to support. So thank yep. you. Thank you, A, for offering this service and who you be because you're, you're a um, total class act and, and so uh, loving and caring of your clients and, and definitely cheerleaders for them. And, and that's not always easy to find, especially in these roles. And, um, and also thank you for sharing your wisdom today. Thank you for being our exclusive, the only person we're recommending for CFO uh, services because we just trust you that much and we know how well you take care of people. So I uh, really appreciate you being someone that we can refer our church clients to uh, when they're ready for your services because they're going to want to feel like, and, and hopefully all of you know that, by the way, we're we know you're going to be looking for these services. I want to bring you people that I personally have or will give business to or definitely make referrals to at the very least, right? Because my standard of care is pretty high. Uh, and I know yours is as well. So if I'm recommending someone, not that you, that, not that my opinion is to be all and end all, but just know that if I'm bringing someone to you, they, that we really, really cherish them and, and how they treat people. And then, of course, we appreciate all of you. I hope this was helpful. Let us know what you're taking away. I know my takeaway, as you know, is the reminder of, oh, yeah, my business is an asset. How am I nurturing this asset so it can nurture me? That is what I'm taking away. So we'd love to hear from you uh, what you're taking away as well. We'll definitely put Andrea's contact information in the show notes wherever you're listening or watching. And we will see you again next time. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode. Don't forget, if you want to get booked on amazing podcasts, or if you're a podcast host and you want to get connected with some incredible guests, head over to thepodcastconnector.com to learn more about our service. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It truly means the world to us. And extra points if you take a screenshot and tag us on social media so that we can see that you're listening. Thanks again for tuning in. Have an amazing rest of your day, and we will chat with you again next episode.